Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome back to the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. So my guest today, Lisa Hammett, is an accomplished motivational and TEDx speaker, an international best-selling author. We'll talk about her book in a minute. She talks about success and mental fitness as a coach. She's a wellness expert, and right now she's doing a lot of work helping stressed and burned out business owners and executives really develop that mental fitness to manage stress, improve productivity, communication, and just overall regain their health and wellness. So uh, first, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Thank for joining Thank you so me. much. Oh, it's great to be here, Chris. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So I was really excited to bring you on today because while the work-life balance has always been a challenge, I think, for high performers and people that really want to achieve at the highest level, I think many people are facing new challenges as some of the external pressures just increase. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, the personal finances with all the inflationary challenges, pressures at work, the companies are having increased layoffs and you know, working at home or in a hybrid situation, just in managing those interactions on the on the home front. So it can all be very stressful. So I was really excited to have you come on and share a little bit about what you're doing and what you're talking about and really how you're helping people manage through all of that. Yes, it's it is a really kind of strange time. You know, we thought, oh, we're coming, we're out. Well, actually, we've come out of COVID and that, oh, everything will go back to normal. No, <laughs> it won't. And, you know, in a lot of cases, the the hybrid situation is is very challenging for people because there were individuals who maybe had a remote position only, and now they're expected to go back into an office environment because corporate culture has suffered as you know, expected during the pandemic. So they're being, you know, forced to go back into an office. And they're like, no, I'm either, you know, was hired to work from home or now I become accustomed to it and it works well for me. So, you know, that is creating a lot of stress. And then there are other people who flat out, you know, were hired for remote only and, you know, they're being forced to go in and then they're not compensated anyways. You know, they're expected to have a long commute and in often cases, they have to upgrade their wardrobe and it's, it can be really stressful, especially, you know, with the inflation and, you know, then then they might get into the office and they recognize that their teams are still all over the world or all over the U.S. And they're not even in the city of, of which, you know, they're located. So it can cause a lot of frustration. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a real, you know, from a sales perspective, it's also been a, re- a real challenge because many of the customers that we wanted to call on or go meet with, they're not in our backyard anymore. And no. so... You have to figure out how do you do it more effective virtually? Maybe how do you travel to go see them? You know, it's it's harder to get them out outside of the office for a coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it might be. So just the whole dynamic of how we work. I mean, everybody yes. talks about it, but it's it's so real in so many different aspects of, of work. 100%. So Lisa, I'm curious, um, 
Well, let's just go ahead and dig in into how you've you've helped manage um, you know the stress and help manage uh, burnout. Um, so let's start from a sales perspective. You know, why does managing stress matter in the professional sales role? Basically, two well, two things. One, it impacts your productivity. Bottom line is when you are very stressed, you are not productive. And there is this mentality that, oh, if I do multiple things at the same time, I'm going to be more effective. Well, multitasking does not work. We end up actually doing nothing well if we're trying to juggle too many things at the same time. So productivity is the number one thing. And then stress, again, if not managed, can wreak havoc on your health. And if you're in poor health, and I'm not saying you're bedridden per se, but you know, in my case, when I suffered burnout, I had chronic migraines, I had stomach issues. You know, there were things obviously that can impact your performance as well, and can impact your relationships with others if you're not feeling your best. Yeah. Well, so let's go back to you for a second because you know what you know, my question is: What makes you qualified to talk about this, right? And you had your <laughs> own you had your own personal journey of kind of going through this process, kind of hitting bottom and then coming out of it. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Absolutely. So after 26 years in the corporate retail sector, I reached burnout. And you know, for our listeners who are <laughs> experiencing burnout, I equate it to being slammed into a wall at full speed. And you just you get to a point of where you have no mental bandwidth to continue in the existing situation in which you're in. You know, I had mentioned some of my physical health problems, but emotionally, I was just it was a mess. I mean, Sunday evenings, I was so stressed out about the crap, <laughs> I could use another expletive, that I would walk into on Monday morning. And I would even, you know, work a good portion of the weekend off and on just to try to anticipate challenges that would arise. But I would literally make myself sick. And I couldn't sleep well. I was averaging like four to five hours of sleep. And the sleep was not even good quality sleep. Um, you know, my relationship with my husband was strained. It was just a really, really bad situation. So I ended up in a moment of desperation, just exiting a long-term career. <laughs> Excuse me. And I don't recommend doing that because that can have lasting uh, implications. And in our case, it was difficult financially to, you know, replace a high income without an exit strategy. So, you know, what often happens when we allow ourselves to get so chronically stressed, then we make a desperate decision that can have lasting implications without a lot of forethought. And I'm not saying maybe it's time to to look at a different career or transition into something else, you know, within your field of interest, but you know, you have to think, you have to be thoughtful about it. So, yeah. I definitely know firsthand what happens when you reach burnout. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so the thing that I've noticed uh, over the years, right, you take a salesperson, sales professional, you know, in any industry, if you're and you talked about productivity, right? If you're mm -hmm. feeling stressed, if you're feeling burned out, you're probably not going to be effective in your role. But then when you're in front of the customer, that you're not bringing your best self to no. that client, to that sales call. And I guess what are some of the things that you've seen that uh, that have not worked well when somebody's trying to you know, perform in that environment when they are stressed or they're starting to feel that burnout? Oh, that's, that's such a great question. You know, we come across as desperate. And even if we aren't thinking that, 
that energy, and there is something about energy, there really is, that it can be sensed by the other person. And it's just, it's a very negative feeling. And then when you don't have confidence, to your point, you're coming across as not your best self. So you're not asking the right questions. You're not sharing the right information. You're not even listening really to what the client has to say. You know, and that's truly the most important thing. In sales, even though (laughs) in a lot of cases, people don't always think this, it's always about the other person. Right. It's not about us. And when we get so fixated on ourselves and our situation, we don't actively listen to what the client needs. And bottom line is an, a successful pitch has to be solving a problem. So if we're not listening, we aren't going to be providing the right answers and presenting in such a way that you can solve their problem. You're just going to come across as, okay, whatever. You're just another XYZ person trying to sell me something. Yeah. You know, and in the sales world, I mean, stress has always been there. You have this idea of this quota hanging over your head. And if you're falling behind, right, that's always the challenge that a top salesperson has is, all right, well, let's not get too hyper-focused that maybe you're behind, right? You can't take that into the sales meeting. So good sales professionals know how to manage that and know how to stay focused on the task at hand, focus on the day, focus on the week, whatever it might be. But then if you layer in all the other external stuff that's happening, it makes it hard. So if we agree that managing that stress is critically important, what are maybe some good baby steps that somebody can take to get started uh, making a change? So that's a great question. So I did a TEDx. (laughs) actually last August. And in my TEDx, I shared how to manage stress and other negative emotions in the moment by developing mental fitness. And I am a coach and the foundation of my practice is mental fitness. So what I found so particularly impactful is it enables you to de-escalate a stressful situation in the moment from the standpoint of how you're reacting. Because oftentimes when stressful situations escalate, it's because we're reacting a certain way, which is then causing the other individual to react in a certain way. And we don't maintain clear-headed focus. We are not peaceful. We're not calm. We're just answering to react and not really listening to respond appropriately. So a way in which you can do this is to think about one of your senses, like your sense of touch, something you can hear. I know it sounds really kind of bizarre, but for example... Let's say you and I are having a conversation uh-huh. and you're saying something to me and I'm just, I can just feel that heat starting to well up and I'm just like, um, don't necessarily agree. And I just want to retort and that's not going to help the situation. So what I would do is I would focus maybe on something on your face, like the shape and color of the iris of your eyes, or maybe the shape of your nose. You know, I would just laser focus in on that. Now, that may sound bizarre, but what it's doing is it's taking the primary focus off of what you're hearing and wanting to respond and just kind of putting you in an even keel state so that when you would stop talking, then I would be more focused and I wouldn't be maybe as 
impacted to just react. Now, other ways that you could do it, let's say you're in a situation and maybe it's not necessarily an individual in front of you, but you just are so stressed because you've got a deadline to meet, you're trying to reach a goal. You know, it's, it's taking the time to, it could be something as simple as, okay, I'm walking into the room to get a glass of water or to go to the bathroom. How do my feet feel on the floor? How do they feel? You know, can you feel like the different pressure points on your feet? Or I love this one. And I taught the audience during my TEDx, rub two fingertips together. Uh-huh. And not just, you know, just do it and whatever, then start thinking about all your stress, but really do it intentionally thinking about like the fingertip ridges of your fingers. Are your fingertips dry? Are they smooth? And again, all that it's doing is it's de-escalating those negative emotions so that you can then focus with a more clear-headed approach. Does that make right. sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, just I've, little tricks like that. I like that. I mean, and those are all like in the moment techniques, right? One of the things I like to do outside of the moment is just step away and, and get outside, go for a quick walk, right? I just, just sometimes that short break can change, you know, if you, it's really changing your environment, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing that I was bad at was I would change my environment, but then I throw my headphones in, I start listening to something and <laughs> I come back still maybe a little bit wound up. But if I go for the quick walk around the block or whatever it might be without the headphones, mm-hmm. I'm hearing the birds chirping, or in my case, a lot of times it's the raindrops falling. It just resets and I'm able to attack it with more of a clear mind. That's that's awesome. I'm a firm believer too. Whenever I'm stressed or have a lot on my plate, I force myself to go for a walk. I love to walk and that just completely... Well, you get endorphins from it. And then also, it's just a mood elevator just being outdoors in the natural light, even if it's overcast. You know, there's studies on that. You know, it could even be like listening to music calming music. I wouldn't listen probably to rap music or, you know, hot heavy metal if you're really stressed. I'm not saying don't ever listen to that, but if you're really stressed, that's just going to kind of agitate you a little more. But yeah, absolutely just taking a moment just to take a break and it doesn't have to be very long. Right. You know, it could be 5 minutes, it could be 10 minutes. But that clearing your head and then when you're taking that break, if let's say you're going for a walk, focus on those birds chirping. Really intently hear that and then notice them as like they fly or just really pretend as if you have never walked in that place before and you're seeing it for the first time. So that is activating your mind in a positive way, as well as allowing those endorphins to just kind of take over and to relax and calm you. Yeah, that's interesting. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now, I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter. 
So is stress always bad? No, it's not. Um, there is a fine line. I've talked about that in my TEDx too, actually. That's a really good question. It isn't because it can be a really great motivator, especially if you're under a deadline, trying to reach a goal. A little bit of stress can be energizing. But the thing is, is we don't listen to the warning signs when it starts to become too much. And that could be like a slight headache. It could be forgetfulness. You know, we just think, oh, I'm getting old. I forgot. No, it's probably because your brain is a little overactivated. So it's those little things like that. If you're noticing that you're not sleeping as deeply, or maybe you don't even really notice that, but you know, you you are in bed for a long enough period of time, but you wake up in the morning still tired. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't restful sleep. So it's those little things like that. And we tend to just kind of poo-poo them and just say, oh, you know, just toughen it up. That's that's ridiculous, you know, but those will compound into more severe. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, I've noticed it in I, personally with I mean, when I've had maybe deadlines or mm-hmm. maybe a big project, a big opportunity, a big deal that we're getting close. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of stress there. And you know what, if you manage it correctly, for me, it feels like it might heighten the senses versus if I'm always relaxed and always mm-hmm. in a calm mood, I'm not maybe triggering some of the things that are needed to figure out the creative processes to go, you know, for that specific task that's in front of us that we have to go tackle or knock down or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree again to a point, you know, because then we can allow too much stress to actually, we think it's, enabling our creativity process. But if we allow it to get too much, it's actually causing it yeah. to do the complete opposite. So there's, again, it's that fine line. That well, fine you know, line. and, uh, you know, I think you and I maybe briefly talked about balance and I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, in anything that you do, but let's just focus on professional, well, the professional world. Well, in reality, right. I mean, work and life right now, we're so overlapping um, how does someone best manage kind of the boundaries of that and, and the balance of all of that? That I know that can be a challenge for a lot of different people. And it, it's so important to set healthy boundaries, not only with yourself, but you have to share that with others. And I think oftentimes we don't do that. We have intentions of, oh, I'm going to go work out or I'm going to you know, give myself a break or I'm going to do whatever it is. And then we allow other factors to get in the way and we don't communicate it. Um, I'll, I'll use a story of a, a former client. And this was really interesting. So she had a very uh, high performing job for Raytheon. Sure, you've heard of Raytheon. Sure. Um, and she was the primary breadwinner. They had two small children. The husband stayed at home and he took care of the kids and it was it worked out great for them. So she had a very stressful job and she set a boundary that when she got home, she needed 30 minutes. And she would say hello. I mean, it wasn't like she would sneak in the door and then just ignore them. They knew when she was home, they'd be like, hi, okay, I'm going to my room. She would go to her room for 30 minutes. You know, sometimes she would lay there. Other times she might take a bath or she would read, whatever it was. But she said, I need that 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, no more, no less, you have my undivided attention. And it really worked for her and her family. And the clear thing was, is she communicated it to them so that they understood that by allowing her to do that, she would show up much better for them. And it worked well with their schedule. So that is being very intentional about setting 
a clear boundary. And it's also not allowing other people to control your schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so much of it is communication. And, you know, what you just talked about there, it's interesting because, you know, there's, we have different silos within our, in our life. And sometimes you need to switch between them. And it's hard. You realistically, you just can't flip one switch and then turn the other one on. There's a transition period there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with your example there, I read a book many, many, many years ago about raising children. There's one for boys, one for girls, but the one for boys was called, I think it was called Mastermind and Wingman. And it was talking about how challenging it is for, you know, the boys to come home from school and they've been in a stressful situation all day. They're trying to manage all the little dynamics of the kids at school. And then they get in the car and usually it's mom, but you know, the first thing mom does is tell me about your day. And the kid just wants to decompress and they're like giving mom the hand. And so we're just giving the example of, you know, give them a little bit of that buffer to get in that transition of going from the school now back to home. They've made it through the day and now they just need a little bit of time to decompress before they go on to the next stage of their of their day. So very similar. Yeah. Great example. Great example. Well, as we as we wrap up, um, I, th- I think the last thing I want to go back to is you talked about mental fitness and, and I know you've done uh, work with athletes and besides raw talent. You, you mentioned mental fitness plays a big role. I mean, what, what are you seeing that the top performing athletes do that separates them from the rest of the pack? Because I do think there's a lot of uh, similarities between top performing salespeople and top performing athletes. Absolutely. And it's mindset. I'm just going to 100% say that. It's mindset. I mean, clearly, you have to have a skill. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a lot of training and practice. And you have to be mindful of what you put in your body, how you move your body, all, all of that. It's super important. But if your head's not in the game, you will never be successful. And, you know, I use the scenario of, you know, how do Olympians and like NFL players, how do they win? How do they win the Super Bowl? How do they win Olympic medals? Well, they have a winner's mindset and they hire high level coaches to help them with that mindset. So they have the mindset coach, they have the fitness coach, they have the, you know, the coaches clearly that help them with the plays and performance and all that kind of thing. But they have to visualize this. And I do this with my clients as well is you have to visualize clearly what you want your life to look like. And for some people, that's really hard, especially if they are in a very intense, stressful situation and they feel beaten down or they have siloed themselves into a position that they might be highly skilled at. And, you know, at one point they enjoyed it, but they're so stressed out that they're like, it's killing them and they can't see beyond that. They've lost that vision. And it's so important to really visualize it. And you have to take a look at your values, you know, what is most important to you in your life, and then tie that into your passions and strengths, and then literally come up with this vision for your future. And you have to tie that to an emotion. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I want to have a nice house. And, you know, I want to earn XYZ amount of money a year and drive this kind of car. Okay, well, that's great. But you need to envision and if, if that is, is family is one of your core values, then going on this amazing vacation, if the beach is your happy place and your family's happy place, then imagine you and your family on this beach. Imagine the kids laughing. What are you going to be doing? Feel the breeze. You know, hear the seagulls, hear the surf, tie it to an emotion, you know, not just, okay, the sun is warm. 
and you know, I hear my kids laughing. No, it's like I am calm, I'm at peace, or I'm energized and I'm so happy, you know, because when you tie it to an emotion, you get invested. And in the case of performance, it's visualizing okay, what's it going to be like to achieve that milestone goal? Or what is it going to look like to make that winning play, you know, or what have you? So it, it's all about that visualization. And, and you might not necessarily know all the steps initially on how you're going to get there, but you have to believe that it's possible. So it starts with that belief. And then you can start working on the pieces to actually get to where you need to be. Yeah. Well, I think you have to accept that you absolutely won't know all the steps on how you're going to get there, no. right? And, and no. some of it you'll you'll be figured out along the way because you're you're constantly working on that that vision and that getting to that emotional state that you want to have whenever it is a year, five years, ten years down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's you know. So as a you know, I think about it from a prof- I, I think about it both from a professional perspective and then a personal perspective because I think you have to have both because the professional piece is supporting maybe the long term personal yes. piece. And so from a pro- professional piece, maybe it's your, your sales salesperson, and maybe it's, I don't know, you want to achieve a certain level of performance, maybe be number one, only one person could be number one, but you know, maybe you want to be on the stage. But I think sometimes that's a challenge that reps have is how do I, how do I actually visualize it and attach an emotion to it? And you've got to be intentional about it. You know, it's maybe you get, you're up on a stage telling your story, maybe you know, you're having peers come to you and pat you on the back. And, you know, maybe you're having other managers pull you into their team to say, hey, you know, I love what you did with within your territory. Could you come on to my team call and talk and share some of the best practices? And, you know, what that translates into is you've elevated yourself into somebody within the company that it's maybe respected. They go to it for advice. They put on panels when they're looking at doing a new sales campaign for the next year. You know, those are the types of stuff that like, how would that feel when they're tapping you for all these different things? And if you've never experienced it, it's hard to think about how that would feel. But it is, but I'm sorry. (laughs) But what you can do is tap into when you did have a positive experience. So you can say, okay, this is what I want to achieve and put it out there. But then think about a time when you really felt positive and energized and appreciated and valued. Think about that and channel that feeling into this vision. And it's kind of that fake it till you make it mentality. But once you start channeling that, it becomes more of a belief system because how our brains work is what we think about becomes our belief system, which drives our behavior. So if you're constantly thinking, oh gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I can never do that. You won't because your behavior is going to follow suit and you won't be as, what's the word, much of a go-getter to go out there and really, you know, do it. But if you have a belief that, you know what, this can happen, it will, you'll, you'll find the way. It's so true. I mean, it's, it's, you got to shift that thinking of, uh, you know, constantly thinking about the bad stuff. Yeah. They might be bad right now and it might be challenging, but you know, if you keep thinking about it, how are you going to get out of it? One of my favorite little, I guess, tricks or tips that I like to, to do is, you know, if I'm working on something. So for example, right now I'm just working on how do I, uh, for us, you know, maybe this is a more challenging year. So I'm figuring out, all right, how do I be the be- a better leader? How can I be the best leader? Whatever it might be. So every morning, and I don't do it every morning because sometimes I get busy, but I'll sit down and just set my timer for five minutes, just start brainstorming bullets of ideas. 
And it's taking my mind off maybe a particular challenge that I have. And again, focusing on the here and the now. I'm not worried about a year from now. I'm worried about right now and worried about the positive things that I could be doing right now, this this day or this week that could impact somebody positively. And then, you know, and then as a result, I kind of go into the day a little bit more energized and optimistic and focused on positive outcomes. And it just makes such a big difference. Huge difference. Huge. And I love that you said that, that you focus on what can I impact in the here and now, you know, start with today. You know, who do I get to meet today? How can I impact them today? What can I do and start there? And then it will manifest. Well, Lisa, it's been such a pleasure uh, speaking with you. I really appreciate some of your insight. So you have a best-selling book. Yes. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but please share the name of the book. Yes, it's From Burnout to Best Life, and it integrates my journey of overcoming burnout to a happy, healthy, fulfilled life. And it also includes practical tips for living your best life. So that vision statement that we talked about, you know, it starts with how do you create that and your why? And then there's a big section on mindset and then really what you put in your body, how you move your body. So it's really a holistic approach to health and wellness. And at the end of each chapter, there are reflection questions that just really are meant to help you identify pain points in your life that might need addressing. Yeah, please go check it out if uh, uh, if you haven't already. And like I said, I'll have the link in the show notes. If someone would like to reach out to you, Lisa, what's the best way to connect up? Thank you. Uh, the best way is through my website. You see my name, lisahammett.com. Oh. <laughs> really difficult. I know. So on my website, there's a, a link about my book. There's actually an interview, several interviews that I've had um, talking about the book. And also you'll see samples of my speaking engagements, a link to my TEDx, and then you'll learn more about me and my background. So you can, I blog consistently, you can email me, you can, there's all different kinds of ways that you can reach me and, and my social handles are on there as well. Fantastic. Well, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever. Ever.